Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. You see my green screen behind me? <laughs> I see it too. Jesse's on a flight to another event, so he won't be here today. But we have a special guest, a priest from Nigeria who was kidnapped by Boko Haram. I've been talking about this for the last couple of days. What a great story. And how did he deal with being kidnapped by terrorists? You'll, you'll see that. It's, it's an amazing story. We have him on our second segment. We're also going to cover other issues that are going on in the culture today. For example, uh, Idaho. This is good news, good news file. Idaho Supreme Court allows state abortion to take effect. So you see how different states are taking the Roe versus Wade decision, removing it. So now the courts are going to go from each state to decide the outcome of the unborn. So we need to fight hard here in California. They're trying to make it so that it's become part of a constitutional right to kill your unborn baby. We're not going to vote for that, I hope. Another one, uh, judge temporarily blocks COVID vax mandate for the Air Force members seeking a religious exemption. Praise God. See, you got to fight. And as two and a half years later, the CDC now is figuring it all out, saying, I didn't think we handled this one right. Also, in the news, number of lonely single men is on the rise. And why is that? Uh, well, a lot of single men <clears throat> are not knowing their meaning and purpose of life. And so, yes, they're out to lunch, so to speak. They don't know the meaning and purpose of life, so life is without meaning. Also, the CDC statistics reflect parents' apprehension to have their young kids injected with COVID vaccine. God bless you, Mom and Dad. The data indicated that only about 95, actually 95% of American babies and toddlers between the age of, of six months and four years, like my grandson, they have not gotten the experimental shot. And uh, they're trying to change that, but I think uh, it's going to be much more difficult because people are on to this now. They, they realize this was not a good thing. Well, what I want to do now is go right into some soul food, if I could. Uh, today, we have a reading from Matthew chapter 19. Oh, and before I do that, before I go to the reading, uh, I just want to mention that the saint of the day... Uh, is St. Stephen of Hungary. And this was he was born in 969, died in 1038. Uh, he ruled Hungary with great wisdom and uh, was an excellent model for justice and piety. People loved him. He knew how to handle running the country in a very Christ-like way. So St. Uh, Stephen of Hungary, pray for us. Okay, the reading from Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, I say to you. Remember, whenever he says amen, listen up. Amen, I say to you, it will be hard for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, Well, who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For men, this is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. Then Peter said to him in reply, We have given every, up everything and followed you. 
What will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Amen. The Son of Man is seated on his throne of glory. Well, you yourselves sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, and everyone who has given up houses, brothers or sisters, or father or mother, or children or lands, for the sake of my name, will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. At Holy Mass here at our chapel, Monsignor gave a great homily about that reading. He knew five people that were millionaires, and these five people had different problems. One of them gave, so he spent it all up, and he ended up on the street. He was an alcoholic. Another one was mentally ill because he was so obsessed with uh, making money, and he just money was everything. And there's only one out of the five who was stable. And you know what that man did with his million dollars? He helped people out. And that's why he was so stable, because money is not for our comfort and ease, you know, that we just, I want to be comfortable life. If God gives you resources, financial resources, then you use them according to your state in life. And if you can help others with your financials, go for it. And you will find that uh, giving money to your nonprofits is very rewarding. I remember before I got married, I was in real estate, and I was doing quite well. And I remember writing large checks to Catholic organizations for scholarships or for whatever it needed. And it was kind of, I mean, it was not just, it was fun. Because you go, by, thank you, Jesus. You're giving me this money. to It goes in one hand and goes out the other. And you do uh, have a balance there because you know that uh, you don't own it. Nothing you own. You, you've given your life to Christ, so everything you own is his. And you ask, where do you want me to send this money? When do you want me to do today? I wake up this morning, I want to serve. So this particular gospel shows the dangers of money. And we've seen it in our own country. We have a country that, you know, you can make a lot of money and not have to deal with anyone else. You just, you can live selfishly with your funds. Or you can take them and... Give them to the needy and to the people who are worthy of these donations. And it helps the body of Christ. And I just think that this reading says it all. So that's the reading for today. Also, I wanted to bring in Archbishop Sheen because it's an interesting Full Full Sheen ahead. Check this out. You know, I, I have to set the stage for Bishop Sheen. Usually we have him in our background, but we're having some technical issues. Every day I take a quote from him, or if he's on the train with some great saint or some person we know that is a holy man or woman, and we talk about, you know, what's going on. Well, I'm going to imagine this, that Fulton Sheen and Cardinal Robert Seurat (laughs) are on the train together, and they're having a conversation about the church today. And, And what do they talk about? 
about some of the issues in the church. And here's what Cardinal Seurat says to Bishop Sheen. Bishop Sheen, I'm afraid that we are tempted here down on earth to build a human church according to the times and according to our ideas. But the church is not ours. In other words, they're having a conversation, what we have a big word called ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is how do you see the church? Well, traditionally, we see the church as the bride of Christ. Okay? But we have come into an era now where the hierarchy is cooperating with, you know, secular groups, whether they're pro-abortion groups or, you know, um, uh, groups that are trying to depopulate the world and we want them at our table uh, to discuss these things. And, you know, no, um, this is the world we're living in now where the church has become too human and not on the supernatural. We're spending so much time uh, Terry, you have solar panels? Yes, I do. So I'm not against you know conserving energy, all right? I'm happy to. I recycle, okay? But let's not make that the focus. And I think that's what Fulton Sheen and Cardinal Seurat are saying is we forgot about the salvation of souls. And remember, canon law, the last canon, says everything we do in the church should be based on saving souls. So how in the world does saving the planet save souls. I'm just asking. See, we are not putting enough focus on what we traditionally call uh, the four last things. And I think that Cardinal Seurat is pointing that out, that he says we're af- he's afraid that we're tempted to build a human church. What's a human church? A human church is a functional church that says, oh, okay, you know, let's talk about uh, what's here on this planet as being number one. But you see, the church has never had that attitude. The church's attitude is always to get you to heaven, the salvation of souls. So when you hear these things that are going on in the church that deal with, you know, um, depopulation or maybe we should change uh, humani vitae, which is a perennial teachings of the church, that's a human church. We got to get away from being that human church. We want to be that supernatural church, the bride of Christ that the church is called to be. And I think Cardinal Seurat is pointing that out in a very simple way, and I appreciate his frankness on that because we definitely need to get back to basics because we're losing it. Too many people are leaving the church because they can't distinguish the church from secularism. You know, who's influencing who, the church or the world? Well, unfortunately, the world is influencing the church too much. Hey, when we come back... We're going to have Father Amadesu. He's from, he's from Africa. And what a great story he has for us about his kidnapping from Boko Haram. And how he dealt with it is just phenomenal. It'll help your spiritual life. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. God bless you. Put your seatbelts on. We've got Father Amadusa Jasua. 
from Nigeria with me. Father, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show, my friend. Thank you very much. God bless Good you. Good to be here. Oh, we're Thank so happy to have you, Father. I'm pumped about this because, you know, I think of Nigeria, and I just want to set the stage for our listeners for your story. Nigeria is pretty split. You've got, what, the south part of the country that are Christians and the north are Muslims, but there's a section there that uh, it's very difficult for Christians to move around in because there's a lot of kidnappings going on. Is that a fair statement? Yes, uh, mainly in the northern part, but not only the northern part, but also the southern part. Wow, I didn't realize it was both parts. Father, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then let's talk about what happened to you just recently. Okay, thank you very much. As announced, I am Father Idaosa Amadasu, a priest from the Archdiocese of Benicity in Nigeria. And currently, I'm a formator at the Seminary of All Saints, Uhiele Ekbuma. Uh-huh. So I've been in the seminary for the past um, eight years. So two years ago, I had the unfortunate but with a great heart of thanksgiving to God for my kidnap experience. Wow. That happened from January 9th to 13th, 2020. Wow. Well, tell us about what, because this is incredible. I mean, you're doing, you're just your duty. And tell us what actually happened, Father. Okay. So I actually was coming back from Mass. Um, Mm -hmm. That has a lot to do with an official function. Mm -hmm. So as I was returning, I mean, this this has been a dangerous road. So, and we know the particular spots where they were kidnapped. But as I was passing the spot on that day, I heaved a little sight of relief. Okay. Thank God I'm escaping today, but just in no time, I heard a loud noise in my car. I couldn't really figure out what was happening. Then I was trying to overtake a trailer, so I thought maybe it was the exhaust pipe of the trailer. I mean, that was making the sound, but again, something came into my car, simply shattered my windscreen, but I could not really look, I mean, figure out what was happening again. But when I looked up, I saw some masked men from afar. Ah, then I knew that they expected but undesirable had happened. So I immediately turned off my engine, came out from the car. And uh, as I was going down, I saw one of them running towards me, telling me to lie down. And when he came, he asked me to get up. He looked into my car. He asked me to pick my vestment back containing my chassis board up and then took me into the bush. So I was there for four days, four nights. Wow. And then during the time, I was able to negotiate and uh, they released me yeah. on the fourth night in the evening. Father, you know what's pa- powerful about the story, because I have it all documented here, you sent it to me, is... I would think, you know, most people when you get kidnapped, especially from terrorists who you never know what they're going to do. I mean, we read about these people beating people up, shooting them. I mean, they shot at your car. You could have died right there. How did you keep your composure during that four-day period? Yes, and I think that is, um, for me, you know, one of the most um, the gracious moments of the of the kidnap. Because the moment it happened, um, of course, I know it's uh, between life and death. Yeah. So he said that you come out alive or not. Yeah. 
But there were some signs of hope that I received. The first is that when I, mean, I was putting up the white cards of the clerical we were put on, and then when I could not climb the hill, uh, they told me, okay, pull your cards up. He brought out a chasuble, he asked me to wear. And he said, when you get home, wash the Kazakh. Oh, I said, good. At least they hope I will get him. <laughs> so it was a sign of hope. Then secondly, when they were questioning me, and then I knew I was a priest, and then one of them asked me, are you married? Huh. I said, no. <laughs> then he shouted, when you get back, make sure you get married. <laughs> so again, I knew that um, they expected me to go back. Now, that gave me also the hope that the ball was now within your court to manage the situation well. And what's what at my disposal, I mean, the only thing you had then was God. Eh? You can count on, I was able to count on a good negotiator, I mean, a, a priest friend, but I also knew that it has to be um, relying on God because that was the only thing I had. And also now, I present the situation realistically all around me, I was in bondage. Yeah. How do I live through this moment? And I knew that you can be in bondage without and also within. Um, living through this moment means um, resisting mm -hmm. and also at the same time, strategically managing it. But what do I have to do this? God, so how do I do that? And um, I was not free outside. But it's possible to be free within, at least I have God within me. So yeah. I said, let me try to make sure that the external flood of anxiety and captivity does not get in. So it was a whole four days of prayer for me. And wow. um, whenever I hear that threat, we'll shoot you, we'll kill you. Yeah. And I also remind myself that God, yeah. if you don't want, if you don't permit, they won't kill me. So that greatly helped me to live through the moment. And the words of St. John kept on ringing in my ear yeah. that greater is he that is in me yeah. than he that is in the world. Yeah. So, so there was something really greater than these people. I mean, despite their claims to owning life and death yeah. by their trusts. Father, there's a section in your story where you were praying the memorari. I found that to be oh. interesting. Tell us about that. Oh, I mean, it was all true. Right? I mean, never was it known, especially those words of the memorari, yes. that anyone who flies to their protection yes. was left unaided. So, like um, I wrote in my story, when I really got to know what Our Lady did for me, even before at the point of capture. Yeah. I think that was the greatest moment of grace. Mm. Because... I saw when my car was brought back to me, my car was um, three bullets were sh shot into my car. Uh -huh. Bullets from AK-47 guns. And then two were shot into the bonnet, one past the passenger's windscreen. Any of the bullets could have been fatal. I was the only one in the car. Usually, when you don't stop immediately, they shoot at the driver. So the aim was to shoot at me. So... I totally saw those bullets, I mean, were diverted by a lady because the man who drove ahead in front of me overtook the trailer. Yes. The driver was shot dead. Oh, no. And his passenger was kidnapped. So 15 of them came out. Eight went with me. Seven went with the passenger of the man that was shot dead. 
So anything could have happened to me. So I totally owe it to God. It was miraculous. And I owe it to Our Lady. So so that was how I lived through. I mean, the rosary, I know I could say up to 60 decades of the rosary in the DM because you are just there alone, praying, a lot of aspirations. You call on your guardian angel, different saints. So in a certain sense, there was an inner activity within that gave me hope and comfort and assurance. Awesome. Fear most of the time, but I knew that, I mean, if the worst comes to the worst, if I die, it's not going to happen without God's permission. And if it happened God's permission, that means it's going to be for a greater good. Amen. What an attitude of gratitude, Father. This is amazing, amazing. You know, you remind me of the story of a friend of mine, Father Zachariah Boutros, who's a Coptic priest, when he was in Egypt, there was persecution from Islamic terrorists where they actually killed his brother in front of him when he was only 14 years old. And when they slit his brother's throat, the Bible fell onto the ground. And Father Zachariah Boutros, at age 14, picked up the Bible and held it as God's word. And the terrorist said, you want to be next? And he looked at them and said, you can't send me anywhere God isn't. So that's mm. why I bring your story up, because it seems that the graces were there in your life to put your trust not in yourself, but mm-hmm. in God and Our Lady, and you had your guardian angel. And that's the question I want to ask when we come back from the break, that how in the world does this story apply to us, you know, listening, us mom and dads, because we also have crises in our life, and sometimes we overreact by panicking and it seems to me that you could have panicked and you could have been shot maybe some sometimes when people get these uh things situations in nigeria where the bad guy is kidnapping you and you just decide to run and they shoot you i'm sure that has happened to some because you didn't cooperate because you got nervous and you got overreacting how is it that your own spiritual life so when we come back i want to talk a little bit about your own walk with christ and your spirituality, because not everybody could have done what you did, Father. So it, to me, it, it sounds like your deep prayer life, your formation, you know, in Nigeria, where did you go to seminary? How did you get a strong faith to be able to deal with something as tragic? And I mean, it could have been really bad for you and for others. I mean, they could have shot you. Those bullets could have hit you when you were driving. They could have shot you if you didn't cooperate with them. I mean, your life was, at, you know, at an end, possibly, and it seemed like you were just living in the presence of God and saying, God, I'm in your, they can't do anything you wouldn't allow. And then, as you said earlier, that God could bring good out of evil. That's the Catholic position. So with this kind of attitude of gratitude, you were able to deal with very, very difficult situation. And I'd like to ask you to talk more about how this attitude Will prevail in people's lives. What 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 was it that you were able to uh, muster up? How? And then I also want to hear a little bit about the government because it seems to me that this has been going on for years in Nigeria, from what we've been reading. And how you know what's who's who's stopping this? Can they stop it? Will they stop it? It seems like uh, your own country, just like ours, has certain corrupt politicians who. Don't do things the way they should. And I'm going to ask the question, and that is, 
What, why doesn't the government send the military in to protect the innocent and use proportionate measures to say, look, if the bad guys are going to come in and, and kidnap our citizens, we're going to have to stop them, even if that means shooting them. It's kind of like a bully. Someone's got to stop the bully. And it sounds like, to me, the government is sitting on its hands. If I'm wrong, correct me after the break. Also, I want to just remind our listeners, uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder is going to be on next week here on the Terry and Jesse show once a month from Kazakhstan, which is near Russia. We're going to be talking to him about his book, a couple books, The Springtime That Never Came, and then his book on the Catholic Mass. So keep in tune with the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. When we come back, we'll have Father talk a little bit about Nigeria and the situation he's in. And again, how to, how to overcome tough situations in life by always turning to our Lord and our Lady, your guardian angel. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're talking about father's kidnap experience in Nigeria. If you missed it, the first segment, you can always catch it on the podcast. But it's an amazing story of, of a man of faith. Father, why don't you give us a little background on how does this happen in Nigeria? What is going on that this consistent happening where people are being kidnapped, they're asking for bribes, and it seems like the government isn't as interested as it should be in stopping this? Yes, thank you. I think there are so many factors responsible. Mm -hmm. Yes, as you rightly mentioned, the government has um, a lot to do. Um, there's a, a sort of breakdown of um, social and um, physical um, infrastructures. And, and this is something that started long ago. Right? I mean, first of all, we didn't pay much attention to education. Yeah. A lot of people are uneducated and um, it become very easy for them to be used and manipulated for things like this. You also have the religious factor. You have religious extremists. Yes. But again, more importantly, the elites, at least from Christians and Muslims who manipulate religion mm -hmm. to foster their selfish interest. But above all, right now, the, I think um, the biggest responsibility and the blame is at the doorstep of the government, the current government that appears to treat terrorists with impunity oh, and no. uh, give us every reason to suspect that they are persons in the government who are in collusion or in a cahoots with this terrorist. Yeah, well, that's what I figured, and that's mm -hmm. bad. Father, tell us a little bit about the faith in Nigeria, because, I mean, I've heard in Nigerians, I've met Nigerians here in America, and I've never met one who's not on fire. They're all on fire for the Lord, and they're joyful people, and they're into their faith. Is that an exaggeration, or is that just the people in Nigeria really live their faith? You are right. I mean, um, there's a lot of religious activity, enthusiasm about religion, enthusiasm about faith. And um, when you talk about a church, we have a lot of vocations. Eh? Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And the seminar where I am, we have about 300 seminarians. Wow. And currently, Nigerian host the biggest seminar in the world. Eh? The biggest memorial seminary, almost a thousand seminarians. Wow. But like every um, young face that still grows, I mean, we are still in search of how to use our faith to transform our society. Yeah. And I think that is part of uh, part of a challenge We're in a country trying to seek how to rediscover our identity. Yeah? Yeah. We are desperate nations, ethnic groups, about 371 ethnic groups, uh, over 500 languages. Wow. Suddenly, suddenly brought together to be one. So... We're in search of managing our diversity. And that is why the worst shortcoming of a current government is the mismanagement of our diversity. Yeah. So that you have a leader who is very myopic and uh, thinks that privilege and tribe and religion yeah. is uh, the sole responsibility of why he's in the government. So... I think that is part of our current problem, and that has led to a plethora of the current um, problems that we're facing. Father, in Nigeria, you know, I think of Africa as being the future of the church, okay? Not just in Nigeria, but other African countries. They seem to understand that uh, life is sacred. They seem to have more openness to children, unlike here in America. Um, is that the fact is that a fair statement in Nigeria that that there are families that are having more than one or two children. Oh, of course. I mean, um, I mean, children. We still um, there's still a lot of influence from uh, our traditional heritage that see children as blessings, mm -hmm. children as wealth. Uh, so I mean, uh, every married couple will want to have children and give them siblings. Yeah. So that's the fact. And um, thank God there's still a lot of resistance to legalizing abortion and all that. But again, it's not all rosy. We're part of the global village yeah. and um, there's a lot of external influence. Huh? Mm -hmm. and, uh, so there are people who think that one of the ways they can do God, do us good is to pump the economy with contraceptives. Yeah. And um, those who do not think that... Um, our population is an asset and the thing that they should try to pin down our major problem to our population it is there yes. and sometimes and some of these um, ideologies are tied to AIDS so and all that if we have to give you this donation you have to accept this so those challenges and the pressure is there yeah and i think that is where we have to we have a Christians and Muslims have a lot of in common in this ground. Yeah, and I think where we have to seek how to cooperate to fight this off, to, to defend life yeah. as, as much as possible. Well said. Now, getting back to your ordeal, Father, where you yes. suffered those four days in captivity, so to speak, and you mm -hmm. kept the faith. Tell us how our listeners can learn. What, did, what were the main things you learned it, from being there for four days without your freedom? Well, um, I think there's a thin line between life and death. Mm. And um, life is a privilege from God, what's yeah. owned by God. And um, the only proper foundation of life is right to be anchored in God. And I, I, saw, that, I saw that clearly. It's like 
you know, in uh, when you're in a very trying or dicey situation, you come with your best. And so the best I could come with is what I've lived for. I mean, I have to reach out to my prayer life. And then um, I've only understood from my formation that uh, a person who has a plan of life is like um, having like a shape of a pyramid where the white base at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Your daily spiritual activities, your prayer, daily meditation should be the white base. So those were the things that sustained me. And Gonzalo reminded me that um, if you hold on to God, I mean, God is doing his part. <laughs> when God does his part, there's no absolute evil. There's no absolute evil in this world because God can always bring out good from any situation. Amen. So I think I think that was very helpful to me. That's so beautiful. Father, my question is, here are listeners in America. Most of our listeners are international too, but if people wanted to help you in your seminary, I'm sure you wouldn't be opposed to uh, if people wanted to financially help the seminary because you got a large seminary there. Uh, is there a way that people can support you? Is there an address? Or maybe I just contact us and send it to you, but I'm putting you on the spot because I didn't tell you I'd do this, but we, we want to support what you're doing. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, my seminar is a green seminary with also um, so many challenges. And seminary is a million don't pay school fees because we want to make sure that every vocation is respected. Yeah. So we have a lot of challenges of infrastructures. I mean, currently a room meant for one or two can be occupied by three to four. And um, I mean, like also a lot of other academic infrastructure library. But there's also one challenge that we have been very, very, very worried about. You know, when we get out to this, we always ask ourselves, when a terrorist coming now in the shooter, how can we help ourselves? Yeah. All around us, we have, um, I mean, terrorists around them. The people have been kidnapped and um, kept in the bushes around us. Our seminary road, if you drive down, a lot of people have been kidnapped on that road. So I don't know if you heard about, um, on a, precisely on the day of Pentecost. Yes, I did. Terrorists went into a church and started shooting. So sometimes we ask when we are praying, when they come down, what are we going to do? We have thought of how can we have a CCTV in our seminary? Mm-hmm. Well, these things are capital intensive. So... Whatever help we could get, we would appreciate Great. a lot. All right. Because well, it will support a lot of vocations. Well, very good, Father. I, I want to just, we have a couple minutes left in this interview. Um, I want to uh, ask you, in Nigeria, because we, uh, we have a great devotion to Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Yes. Has, has, he, has his books or any material gotten to Nigeria? Is he, is he someone that, uh, that maybe some of your seminarians or priests would know who he is? Sure, sure, sure. We have him, even we listen to his audio online, eh? a lot of us, <laughs> and um, if, you come to the, if you come to the chapel, you see them in the, in the pews. Eh? We read them, we have it. I mean, right. he's a great preacher. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, we, we, we are, that's what we say. Fulton Chain, Chain yep. Cardinal, Cardinal Sarah's book, God oh, and Austin, Power of Silence. Yes. A lot were given to us and uh, we thank God and um, for Benedict and of course a lot for us from Pope Francis. I think our our seminarians are quite, um, I mean, we have a lot of access to these. Yes, well, I'm glad classic. to hear Fulton Sheen's in there because that guarantees the orthodoxy of good teaching philosophy to mystic philosophy that's mm-hmm. what we seem to need in the church today we we in america 
have got other problems that you don't have, and you have problems we don't have, but we're all united through our baptism, and that's the yeah. neat thing. Father, I want to thank you for telling us your story. I want to, I'm going to put, if you're okay with this, on the page, I want to give you your document so that people can actually read every detail that you've written. So I'll put that on our show page here at vmpr.org. And I just want to thank you for your willingness to share the love you have for Jesus Christ, even in times of trouble when you were persecuted by being you know, kidnapped. And I, I just love the fact that you turned to our Lord and to our Lady and your guardian angel. You went back to the fundamentals. I mean, it's just like a uh, a great story for all of us to say, hey, if that ever happens to me, man, I'm going to follow what Father did, man. He he just, he lived in the presence of God, and, and no matter what happened, he still had his peace inside. They, the terrorists couldn't take that away from him. So I just want to thank you, Father, for your witness, for your love for Jesus. Thank you very much. And it's God, my pleasure yeah. to be with you. Oh, well, thank you so much, too. And folks, I just uh, want to I say that this is a story that we can all relate to because here in America, there's no guarantee that our freedoms will be taken away. But remember this interview and remember what his message was. He turned his life to Christ and they lived in the presence of God and we can handle anything. Thanks again, Father, for joining us here on Virgin. Thank you very much. Powerful Thanks media. for the opportunity. You bet. I just want to say when we come back, folks, we're going to have more inspire you to fall deep in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Jesse will be back tomorrow and we'll be ready for another show with Jesse tomorrow. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-526. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I hope you were inspired as I was listening to Father's testimony of his love for Jesus, especially in times of trouble when you get uh, in trouble like that. The next topic I want to run into with you is, this is an inspiration too, visiting Jesus. Take the little ones to adoration. I remember we took our children 25, 30 years ago just visit Jesus. And this is an article from the National Catholic Register with a little toddler sitting down, looking at the monstrance with Jesus inside. And it's just so beautiful. Fewer things are more precious than seeing a baby, you know, staring intently at the Blessed Sacrament, basking in the real presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. It doesn't get any better, folks. <laughs> this toddler is just amazing. Now, as Jesus himself said, let the little children come to me. That's Matthew chapter 19. Now, in the footsteps of St. Gerard Magella, who went to Mass with his mother as a young child, there is always an opportunity to introduce even the youngest of our Catholics to our Lord. This is something we needed to be doing the last 50 years because so many young people don't believe in the real presence. This is a great way to do it. Start them young. Most likely, the child Jesus won't climb down from the Blessed Mother's arms to give bread to my toddler like St. Gerard experienced. But little ones should be shaped and guided to understand this blessed reality that Jesus Christ is really present in the Blessed Sacrament and he asks us to come to him. To reiterate Jesus' words, do not hinder them. Their innocent hearts are drawn to Christ. Seeing my young 
daughter recognize and love Jesus warms my maternal heart. That's what mama said. I agree. It warms my heart as a dad. I remember that. Now, Monsignor Charles Pope, who is a pastor in the Archdiocese of Washington, he was talking about the importance of taking even our youngest into the real presence of our Lord. He said, there is so much we can learn from children when it comes to faith. Boy, wait to hear this. And in particular, prayer, right? Recounting his own experience, praying as a five-year-old, he spoke fondly that the childhood faith memory. He said, I must have been five or six. Now, Monsignor's in his 60s, okay? But when he was five or six, there was a Sacred Heart statue on the dresser, right? He says, I would see that statue and start talking to God in the freest way, and God would speak to me simply and in a way a child could understand. But it was very real. And then the memory shuts off. It is just a small window into my childhood. One of the few, and it was filled with God. Isn't that great? Well, God bless you, Monsignor, for sharing that. And it is this friend who shapes our understanding, our eternal from our youngest years. He says, I can still recall the first time I prayed for a child in the third grade, imploring Christ to help a classmate classmate being teased and thinking, how does her heart feel? We should not lose the heartfelt voice of a child finding a true friend in Jesus. Now, Catholic author Lisa Hendy frequently visited Jesus at the altar as a young girl. She recalled to the register, one great gift my parents gave me was a love for Jesus truly present in the Blessed Sacrament. That's the greatest thing they can give you. <laughs> and a desire to be close to Jesus in my heart. And oftentimes, she said, it was just to say, hi, Jesus. I remember as a child, my mom would go by the church and she'd wave and say, hi, Jesus, if she, didn't, if she couldn't stop. And she'd see the statue of the Blessed Mother. Hi, Mary, it's Vera. <laughs> you see, I saw that as a child. We have to express our faith to our children in the little things. Parents have a blessed task in working to instill a fervent faith in the children. And she says that the real presence should be at the heart of the family. Now, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament is a perfect gift of young children. At adoration, mom can gather close to the altar, snuggle with her little ones, gently offer her love for Jesus and her family. There's an awe and a stillness in adoration, whether it is a formal service or an informal visit during perpetual adoration, they can soothe and intense a young one's attention. At the family conferences we used to put on, from we still have still one going on in Wichita, Kansas, we would always take the children's program, sometimes 12, 1,500 children. It was a tight, quite a task, but we would make sure they all visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and there would be a teaching on it. So you've got to influence the young people. Learning how to be quiet seems like a heavy task these days with you know the social media saturation of our times, but it is vital to have a cultivating and interior life 
even for the little hearts. And I love this story to end on. A young girl was led to deep prayer after taking her first Holy Communion. Monsignor Pope recounted, and her parents noticed her quiet contemplation. They asked her after Mass what she was praying about. And it is such a beautiful reminder of Jesus being our first friend. I love it. A young girl received her first communion, and when she returned to the pew, she was noticed, again, by her parents, what were you praying about after your first Holy Communion? Well, she said, I love this, I prayed for Mommy and Daddy and for my brother too. And then I sang Jesus a song and told him a story. Does that just melt your heart, folks? That's what Virgin Most Powerful is all about. We tell people stories about Jesus. Now, prayer doesn't have to captivate or inspire. It requires us to be captivated inspired by our own love and knowledge of God. Listening to an almost three-year-old chime in during a prayer at the dinner table. I've been there. This is so beautiful. It is so touching. Her intentions are so sweet as she prays for Grandpa and thanking God for her new doggy and George the monkey. Can I make a suggestion? I just love this stuff. At the end of the day, when you pray the family rosary with your family, Go through and say to each kid, what are you going to thank Jesus for today? The blessings that came in. And the kids are the greatest at that. Because, you know, you want to have an attitude of gratitude with these kids. So that moves on to their adulthood. So they're not poo-pooing everything. So as a mother said of a, a toddler who starts her first year at preschool at a local parish in September, she says, I'm always looking for ways to make Jesus more real to her. And pictures of the babies looking at the monstrous, holding the Blessed Sacrament, flooding my social feeds, remind me to take my daughter to visit Jesus. So if this goes on and you're listening and take your children to go make a visit to visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, then this show would be a success. Parish, parishes, too, are opening their doors to the devotion in a thoughtful way. We just had a vacation Bible school in the Diocese of Venice, Florida, Offering adoration for young children. We got one here in Pomona at St. Joseph's. Does the same thing. For all the parents and godparents, aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas out there, folks, who want to cultivate this Christ-focused relationship with your little ones, here's the advice. Start small. Even a few moments of quiet prayer and adoration can establish a beautiful desire to be close to our Lord. When entering the chapel, Remember to ask your children to pray for you, their parents. Jesus hears and loves the prayers of our little ones. In the midst of it all, efforts to teach these important lessons to our young, let us also be moved to learn from them. Listen to the voice of children learning to pray as they talk to Jesus. It will renew your prayer time too. Our children can inspire us to have it. Just as Monsignor Charles Pope said, Speak to God as he did when he was five years old. Perhaps this video of prayers from children will inspire you. We want to be inspired before we expire. That's the problem right now. We have too many uninspired people to know the meaning and purpose of life. We know what the life is about. It's about falling in love with Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, stay with us because Father, excuse me, Bishop Joseph Strickland hour is coming up. And if you can't get it on your network right now that you're listening, 
go to vmpr.org, and that way you can download the free app that we have, and you can listen to Bishop Strickland. He's got material that every week he teaches us the fundamentals of the faith. He doesn't go to a show without talking about the Eucharist, defending the life of the unborn. This is my favorite bishop in America. Why? Because he's not, a, he's not politically correct. He teaches the teachings of the Catholic Church whether you like it or not, okay? Because he's not interested in pleasing your, tickling your eels, as St. Paul said. He's interested in giving you the truth about the gospel and the perennial teachings of the church. So I would recommend that you go to our vmpr.org and look at his past podcasts because I think what Bishop Strickland says this, never worry who will be offended if you speak the truth. You like having a bishop say that? I do. He said it again. Never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. He said, I have an obligation as a bishop to speak the truth in charity. And so we cover the perennial teachings of the church every single Tuesday. And there's dozens and dozens of podcasts that you can go to to listen to him. He's an amazing one. And we have one more bishop who's part of our family here at vmpr.org. That's Bishop Athanasius Snyder in Kazakhstan. Once a month, we get to interview him about his love for Jesus and the church. These are bishops, successors of the apostles, who are not afraid to, uh, to, to confront the culture of death, the secular culture with the kingship of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, uh, I know as a layman, when I hear a bishop speak like this, it's like, wow, I want to hear more from that. So stay with us after we take a break. Bishop Strickland will be on. If Jesse was here right now, you know what I'd ask him, right? Jesse, what state should we be living in? And of course, Jess is going to say, Terry, the state of grace. Don't leave it. You know, get the confession. Pray your rosary. Make your visits to the Blessed Sacrament, right? Read your Bible. All of those things are excellent. And then, of course, how do I close every show consistently? With the message of Our Lady of Fatima. He says souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices for. Well, we can do that. A five-year-old can do that. A hundred-year-old can do that. And step it up. Get the rosary out. Offer your rosary for the salvation of souls. You're affecting the salvation of souls around the world by your prayers. They have a tremendous apostolate going with the prayers that you say. Don't forget, make your visits, pray your rosary, read your Bible, stay in the state of grace. May God richly bless you. And- 